Hi, welcome to the Book of Endora podcast, the podcast where we discuss the lore and fiction of every entry in the Legend of Zelda video game series of products and brand. My name is Crystal, and with me today is Monica. Hello. And Cameron. Lore and fiction. Yeah, the lore and the fiction. Of every story, Zelda? the characters, <laughs> themes. This seems like a way to, like, seek into the uh, CDI games. Yeah, w- oh, we will. Oh, we will no. do every Zelda video game. Good. And then we'll do the mangas. And then the cartoon series. And then uh, Link's Today we're going to talk about training. Four Swords Plus. Four Swords Plus? Oh, yeah, definitely Link's Crossbow Training. Yeah, Four Swords Plus is the sequel to The Legend of Zelda Four Swords for the Game Boy Advance. This one came out on the GameCube Nintendo. Oh, I see. Okay. For a second, I forgot the thing you, you did. You may also know it by the title of Four Swords Adventures. That is the title I know it by. And in the Japanese release, there was Tetris Trackers bundled in, right? Yeah, they're... they're hmm. Wait, did that actually come out or not? I think the Japanese release had it, and then the Everywhere Else release did not. I think that became Navi's Trackers. Oh. We didn't oh. get Tetra voice acting. Oh, yes, it's a standalone. It was a Navi Trackers was a, according to Zelda.wikia.com slash wiki slash Navi underscore trackers. Navi Trackers, formerly planned as a standalone game titled Tetris Trackers, is a mini game found only on the Japanese version of The Legend of Zelda Four Swords Adventures. Nay, Four Swords Plus. Oh, Tetra does talk in here. Sick. Huh. Yeah. Well, I'm not prepared to talk about that. In the US, we only got the Hyrule Adventure and Shadow Battle. I think I remember Shadow Battle. I don't. No, wait, I'm thinking about the Shadow Battling in um, Link Between Worlds. Oh, yeah, that definitely had some fights going on. Crystal, did you play Four Swords Adventures when it came out? I have never played Four Swords Adventures. I've not booted it up. You know what? You're all right. Don't worry about it. I didn't play it back when it came out either, and I tried to play it when I was in contact with the person that I enjoy playing games with, if not the most, then pretty close to the most, and uh, it it doesn't hold up as well as you would think compared to later multiplayer Zelda games. No, oh, would, the... you, would you consider this the worst one? The worst multiplayer Zelda game? Yeah. No, I'd say that was Four Swords. I'd say that this is actually the worst one. Oh, no. Yeah, absolutely. It's so fucking long. It is very long. It's tedious. It is a little bit tedious. That was never true of Four Swords. Four Swords was fast and punchy, and it knew exactly what it needed to do at any given moment. It had no story. It didn't have to. Uh, I played this when it came out in single player because I didn't have three other friends with Game Boy Advances and Link Cables. No one did. Yeah. <laughs> but it was okay. You can make the Links take strategic formations. That was kind of cute. And then you would play one level for like 45 minutes, even though they shouldn't take this long. And you had got to run around that blue, fucking blue village. And you got to find things where the solutions to moving back and forth between the regular world and the dark world don't make a ton of sense. Yeah. Yeah, I think that speaks to the the way this game was developed, where it was originally supposed to be a much more ambitious project. And then Miyamoto was like, no, just make it four swords. It wasn't originally supposed to be a multiplayer game? No, it was always going to be a multiplayer game, but it was supposed to be like a much bigger story and have like a full overworld and stuff. Interesting. It does feel abridged. Yeah. And then stretched out. Yeah. So shall we get into the, the introduction? Monica, I heard you had a theory. 
Oh, yes. That yeah. will come up. <laughs> I think um, okay. maybe after we talk about the the plot of the game as it is, then we can get okay. into the timeline stuff. Okay. Do, you, do we want to just read the introduction here? Sure. Are we doing the game prologue version or the manual version? I like the game prologue more. Agreed. Long ago, in the kingdom of Hyrule, a wind sorcerer named Vati appeared. Vati terrorized the people of Hyrule and kidnapped many beautiful girls from their homes. When all hope seemed lost, a young boy carrying little more than a sword appeared. According to the legends, when the boy drew his sword, he split into four, and the four who are one worked together to vanquish Vati. The hero used his sword to bind Vati in a remote area in Hyrule. The people christened the blade the Four Sword and built a shrine around it. There it remained undisturbed for years. Ages flowed by. The wind sorcerer Vati broke free of his prison and kidnapped Zelda, the princess of Hyrule. Princess Zelda's childhood friend, Link, used the power of the Four Sword to defeat Vati and seal him away once again. And, for a time, the people of Hyrule believed that their land was safe. Until... So... This intro, I feel like, is pretty amazing because it doesn't just talk about things that happened before Four Swords Adventures. It gets into the specifics of Four Swords, but also gets into the specifics of the background before Four Swords. It could read as a background to either one. In a sense, Four Swords Adventures could almost read like Four Swords as a retelling. I don't think so. No? No. Doesn't Four Swords have the exact same backstory? No, it, Four Swords starts over here, where the wind sorcerer Vati broke free of his prison and kidnapped oh, yep. Zelda. Okay, got it. Okay, yep, yep, sorry. I wasn't paying that much fucking attention, apparently. <laughs> so, this covers two games and their their background, and that's a lot of links. That's a lot of definite, this game totally happened, and we're referring to it specifically, lore. Yeah. Yeah, it establishes that this is merely one in a long chain of events similar to this. And that we've actually seen at least one of them. So it's like most Zelda games, they're not exactly allergic to consistent lore, but they do tend to steer away from them, at least when referring to concrete events. They'll gesture at each other and allow you to make the connections. But the Four Swords games are very different when it comes to that. Also, Vadi sucks. <laughs> Just had to go there, huh? I don't think Vati has any dialogue in this game. He doesn't. No, really? He doesn't. Huh. I would not have figured. So... Did he have dialogue in Four Swords? Um, yeah, something about marrying Zelda or something. Yeah. Because she's pretty... Okay. That's pretty, pretty much... Pretty powerful. It. Yeah, he, he wanted Zelda for his bride, and that's all that he said in Four Swords. And in this one, he doesn't talk at all. So, we're through two-thirds of Vati's appearances, and, uh... I got nothing. Well, they wanted to save all the stuff for the Minish Cap, which, if you remember, was in development before this game and before Four Swords. I actually did not remember that. Cool. Yeah, it was in the cooker for a while because they kept making Four Swords games. <laughs> was Minish Cap another one of those games that was originally supposed to be a remake? No, I think it was always an original property. Damn. Okay, so we've got the basics of the background down. Now, what happens in the game itself? What happens after this is um, dark clouds gather on the horizon and Zelda calls Link to the castle because she's worried about the seal on Vati. Um, if you look at the introduction, it's actually kind of similar to how 
Breath of the Wild starts in that there is sort of a, a shining light burst in the darkness as she calls to you. And that's really similar to how Link wakes up in the um, the Restoration Shrine or whatever it is. Shrine of Resurrection. There we go. Um, and Link ma- meets up with Zelda. And in this one, she is immensely cute. She's got a giant bow on her head and a braid that kind of sways left and right as she walks around. I just wanted to put that in. Um, and she's really quite powerful because she's a clearly a, a ceiling shrine maiden already. Right. And, um, yeah. So basically, we're introduced to Zelda as being a source of enormous power. I remember in Four Swords, she had this thing where she could sense danger incoming. Was that a thing in this one? It's been a while since we played the intro. You don't remember either? Um, she senses that the seal that has an issue. So I'd say that she can detect something about that. And she decides to go check on the seal. And the six maidens who who guard Hyrule are there waiting to open up the portal to the Four Sword Sanctuary. The Four Sword Sanctuary. Wait, why do they need a portal to that? The backstory says that it was just left in Hyrule. Well, it's in a place that is only accessible by portal. Huh. You want them to walk there? <laughs> well, I mean, they could have. Maybe they can't. Okay, granted. So it's like the power of the Four Sword created a pocket dimension around itself? I'd say more they stored it in a special place. How the fuck people... do they move it? <laughs> I don't know. Hey, Cameron, why'd you take an airplane to Seattle instead of just walking there? Uh... So you're saying it's in a part of Hyrule that's just really, really, really far away. Yeah, you know, it's remote, hidden. It'd be a pain to get to. In the little kingdom. Yeah. <laughs> well, we don't know the size of the kingdom in, in here. Well, by the indications that the six maidens have to, or seven maidens have to open up this special warp thing, I think it might actually be in an elsewhere place. Another dimension entirely. Yeah, and because, you know, people might want to go after it, and we can't have people trying to pull it out and turning into four people. That'd just be messed up. Four gremlins. Yes. Because the four sword is actually super powerful for not being featured in the rest of the series or even referred to in the lore in any of the other games. It's one of the most powerful imaginable artifacts. The last thing you want is somebody like Ganondorf grabbing the four sword. Now that I'm looking at the uh, map of Four Swords Adventures, Hyrule is portrayed as an island, which is interesting. Huh. That's peculiar. Hmm. Huh. Hmm. Hmm. Um, okay, so they they open up the portal, but before they can go through, surprise, surprise, a Shadow Link jumps out, and in this one he cackles, or more like giggles a lot, uh-huh. and jumps around and does a giant shadowy thing that pulls everybody in, and... Um, you're in the Four Swords Sanctuary, and he's taunting you, and you can't do anything because you don't have a sword, except there's a sword there, so you pull a sword, and then you're four people. Great. Link's one to four. Yeah, Link one, yeah, okay. Um, so, were there Shadow Links in the first Four Sword game? We just played through this. I know. I don't think there were. No. I don't think there were either. And that would mean that this Shadow Link is the first one in the series the other two being adventure of link and ocarina of time but this is the first one where shadow link just seems to appear without there being an apparent origin for 
that link because you see where Shadow Link comes from in Adventure of Link, and you see Dark Link reflected in Ocarina of Time. But here it's just like, what? Well, don't worry, the game now, will explain why. The Zelda Gamepedia does draw a distinction between Shadow Link and Dark Link. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, do they consider uh, the Link that the, the Shadow Link? that Link fights at the end of Adventure of Link to be Shadow Link or Dark Link? No, that's a Dark Link. The Shadow Links are in Four Swords Adventures, A Link Between Worlds, and Triforce Heroes. I see. So they're completely separate entities, whereas Dark Link is derived from Link. Yes. You know what? That's yes. that's, that's, yes. as good, that's as good a system as I think we're going to get. So A Link Between Worlds and Triforce Heroes. That's interesting. Um, okay, so that covers the front part of the plot. Anyway, the Link pulling the Force Sword, of course, releases a seal on Vati. Was he literally, like, underneath that, or was it just <laughs> underneath the sword crammed in there? Um, I think it's like the pedestal forms part of the seal. Like, when he's defeated in Force Sword, he's sealed inside the sword, even before it's put back into the pedestal. Okay. But the pedestal becomes an essential part of the lock. Okay. And um, and when Link approaches the sword, the the narration says that he knows if he draws the sword, it will release Vati. Like, are you willing to draw forth the sword knowing that? That's heavy. What exactly was going on in this sequence that was so bad? Had the Shadow Link already done something to the Shrine Maidens? or Yeah. Had he? he I didn't him. rewatch the video. <laughs> yes, presumably. I just remember they got sucked in. And I think... Yeah, he's jumping around taunting you. What happened, Crystal? I know you're looking at it. Yeah, uh, Shadow Link took the Maidens and disappeared into a portal. He took the Maidens? Yeah. Okay, so we're establishing early on here, and that includes Zelda, right? I believe so. So we're establishing early on here that whatever the primary antagonistic force is in this game, it's not actually Vati. Unless it's like a, a Ghanim style servant of Vati. But Vati doesn't really seem to play that particular way. Based on what we've known of him so far, he's a very lone wolf type of operator. Oh, Cameron, using logic. I, I mean, Vati's trapped in the sword when the Shrine Maidens get stolen. So what did he have to do with it? Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I guess that really is established pretty early that Vati is just being used and it's easy to miss if you read it like a kid reads things where it's like you just take them in and don't try to read too much between the lines. But yeah, if you're looking for it, you can see right at the start, it's like Vati's not actually the big bad here. Shadow Link is, somehow. Are we saying that this game has like very thorough, <laughs> thought out story? No. Maybe? No. They had two whole writers. Oh, that's a lot of writers for a game this size. Who are the writers? Uh, the credited writers are Aya Kyokoku and Daiji Imai. Hmm. I don't know those names. Okay, so at this point, in spite of the fact that it's plain that Shadow Link is the one behind this stuff, and Vati being released is bad, but he's not actually the primary antagonistic force here, Link is directed to rescue the Maidens with the understanding that it's probably Vati's fault, right? Yeah. Who is it that guides Link here? It's not Kabor Gabor, is it? It's absolutely Kabor Gabor. Oh, okay. Um, you have to save this. I'm looking at those two writers I mentioned. Mm -hmm. uh, 
Aya Kyogoku went on to be a scriptwriter for Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess, and Daiji Imai was a subdirector for Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess. That's interesting. That is interesting. Because I think there are some similarities. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, there are some connections. Ooh. Okay, yeah, we'll get to that later, I think. Yeah. Um, but anyway, you are directed to save the maidens who are actually fairies. They're actually fairies. Is this told to you at the time? Because I remember being really surprised when they just turn into fairies. I don't think it's ever explained. Okay, good. So Kapoor Gabor tells you to go save the maidens, and he's like, Oh, this must surely be the work of the wind sorcerer. I wasn't here to see any of it, so I'm just making assumptions, says the owl. And along the way, you have to gather these force gems to power up your sword. And I think those are required to break the seals that are set along the way, but I never pay attention because... There's a lot of force sword uh, gems. You never really run out. Well, I mean, there's always that sequence when we're a little bit more than halfway through the level where our swords go berserk. It's usually when we pass the 2,000 gems mark or maybe the 1,000 gem mark. That's when you get the hurricane spin. Right. But you never get to the end without getting that many gems. I wonder if you could in theory. Gabor Gabor has an interesting line when he first appears. It's, Link, you have accepted the destiny of the hero. Hmm. Hmm. That is that is interesting. He did make a heavy decision, I guess. Yeah, this this link definitely uh takes up the sword, literally and figuratively. And the whole adventure, at least this element of it, starts because he makes that decision. And who knows, maybe he does understand that somebody else is causing the issue. He just doesn't know who. He just doesn't opine on it. That would be the only good reason to draw that damn sword. Yeah. It seems like a bad risk reward to unleash a second villain just to get the Force Sword. Well, the Force Sword, at least to the understanding of everyone in the story, is the most powerful weapon in the setting. So, at any rate, um, I don't think the, the stages are all that interesting. Sorry. Well, I mean, a couple <laughs> of them are actually pretty story heavy. This isn't quite like Four Swords. It's you pointed out that each of these does have their own plot, even if it's very thin. Yeah. There's little little goals here and there. It might just be to get past a temple or something. But you also spend the time in a couple of villages. Especially the village of the Blue Maiden. And Crystal, There's never really been another Zelda game like this, which is stage-based, but still has real story within the stages. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, even Triforce Heroes doesn't have much in the way of plot within the stages themselves. And Crystal, if you haven't played the the game, the uh, Village of the Blue Maiden has this intricate plot where you're having to solve the mystery of the disappearing villagers and village kids, and then there are there's an investigation group that you have to win over. And then you have to do a chain of quests, like find this magic book for somebody and then get a letter for this person from their from their partner. I yeah. can't remember if it was the girlfriend or the boyfriend. Yeah, whoever their romantic partner is, you have to get the letter from them and then deliver it to the other partner who's in the other dimension. Because, like, everyone disappearing in this village is disappearing into a parallel universe called the Dark World which is tenuously connected to this world and seems to randomly absorb people, objects, and places into it. There's portals around. Yeah, but also it just sometimes happens. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> and there's really 
a few places where it's very obscure what you have to do. I hated this fucking level. Probably because they expected four people thinking randomly to and acting randomly to come up with the solution. Like, there's a part where there's a huge lineup in front of a um, a house, and you have to get to the other side of the lineup. You're on the east side. They You want to go west. And the only way to pass the line is to Pegasus boots around, and that causes a huge thud that disperses everybody, and then you can wiggle your way through. And- okay, so they really expect you to do some method acting and get into the character of Gremlin Link. Absolutely. Yeah, there is some... It's not even those parts that bother me the most, though. There's these really esoteric adventure game bullshit solutions to some things where you have to go off and do another screen and pick up this item and carry it over four fucking screens to drop it in a particular place when there isn't really a super strong indication of why you should be bringing it there or how to find it in the first place. Oh, and then there was a lady (laughs) who's standing in front of the other house. Fat women are hilarious. Yeah, they, they do that. And... She's blocking a house, and for the longest time, we're like, okay, well, she's standing in front of this house. We can't get in. She's not letting you in. But the solution is, with two links, she's exactly the size of a large uh, a large boulder. So you, you push her aside like a large boulder. Okay. That's, that's the cool. solution. Yeah. That's the cool physical comedy puzzle of the Village of the Blue Maiden. We, we had to look that up because it just did not occur to us. You can't push villagers. Yeah, that's not a thing. To be fair, Cameron, that is an extremely funny joke. Oh, well, you've got me there. So, what, what, what are all the different areas that we have to go to to save the maidens? Who turn into fairies after you save them and it's never explained why. Do you have the walkthrough up? Hold on. Because the, there's three stages per level and I think there's like... Six levels or something. There's the whereabouts of the winds. There's Eastern Hyrule. There's Death Mountain. There's Near the Fields. There's the Dark World. There's the Desert of Doubt. There's Frozen Hyrule. And there's the Realm of the Heavens. I love the title of that first one, Whereabouts of the Wind. Yeah, that is pretty good. And the Village of the Blue Maiden was stage two of Eastern Hyrule, which surprises me because, by God, I... For some reason, I thought of that as an entire world. That level was so long. Yeah. I think what they did in the game, I'd have to look at each one to be sure, but they sort of interspersed those puzzly ones as a one stage out of every three or so. And the others were just action stages. Yeah. Instead of trying to blend them together. Yeah. But the puzzly ones weren't even like Zelda-style puzzles. They were almost like Sierra games. Yeah. If you used the broom... On the pot handle here, who knows what'll happen? It's nothing. Nothing fucking happens. You don't have the patience for an adventure game. No, not anymore, I don't. Well, maybe I would if I was in the right mindset, but I go into a Four Swords game looking for a a game a lot like Four Swords, I guess, or like Triforce Heroes. Four Swords Adventures just kind of occupies an ugly, off-to-the-side middle ground that I don't enjoy as much. That hurts. Well, I got nothing. Okay, so... You get past the Eastern Hyrule, you go to Death Mountain, and there's Gorons there, because we're at the part of the series where every game has to have Gorons, and God, I can't even remember what the whole thing about the Goron village was, but it, it just keeps going like that. As much as we talk about the idea of these levels having story in them, they're more like vignettes 
that don't connect necessarily to the overarching plot of the game, at least not directly. Oh, and you run into Malin and Talon and then near the fields level. God damn it. <laughs> They're there. So are Malin and Talon like Beetle suggesting, like, does their existence just suggest that people who look a certain way tend to be given a certain names, that names are descriptive more than anything else? Yeah, why not? Maybe. Yeah, there's a lot of dialogue in this game, in this game script I'm looking at, but it's hard to tell what's important and what's not. I think that it's, the vast majority of it isn't. And if you're looking for stuff that's, like, lore significant, you really have to play the game, so to speak. Uh, There's a couple of things in there. Like, when you find, I think it's Malin, she recognizes you because you're talking to the green maiden, I think, who has taken the form of a fairy. So she recognizes that you're running around with a fairy, ergo you must be a good person, so could you help her home? And that being, and when you talk to her, she kind of mentions that some weird stuff is going on at Hyrule Castle. Like the soldiers are acting in ways that they really shouldn't be. Yeah, there's um, plot significant things scattered here and there. So later on down the line, you kind of learn that the person, the, the, the shadow links are coming from something called the Dark Mirror. And the person who used the Dark Mirror wasn't Vati. Vati's bad, but someone else mysterious is pulling the strings. And also, when you get to the desert area, um, or actually, I think before you get there, one of the maidens um, mentions, oh, you know, everybody seems to be talking about this Ganon person. I haven't heard about Ganon before, but there was this Ganondorf guy. He was just a, a desert nomad, nobody significant. Can't see why anyone would worship him. She but. says he. She says specifically. She says Ganondorf was a member of the Gerudo people, and I can't imagine why these demons would be following some desert nomad. Just the dismissive way she says "desert nomad" reads really harsh to me. Um, but you better go check out the desert area. Yeah, you Tingle uh, refers to Ganon as the new king of darkness. And Vati has old news. <laughs> and also the Deku scrubs in this game call him Lord Ganon. Yeah, they're worshipping him. Yeah. That's kind of messed up. You, I think that's in the Dark World level, which is actually not in the Dark World itself, but in the Light World where parts of the Dark World seem to be leeching in and affecting the locale. So, kind of like the Twilight Realm. Yeah. Sort of like kinda. the Twilight Realm. Also, sort of like another dark world, so to speak. The Oh, Thor 2. <laughs> yes, just like in Thor 2. Malekith is pushing and Ganon's also there. What was causing the dark world in, in that? How the hell did I remember Malekith's <laughs> name? Was it one of the stones? See, there's the convergence. Oh. It's when all the nine realms line up and there's right. portals in the sky and there's weird gravity stuff going on. Thank you. I just remember Natalie Portman kind of swinging around this weird, weird physics cube or something. Yeah, physics cube. Yeah, she's got little sticks that can stabilize the portals because she's good at science. Being good at science is a good skill to have in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Not quite as essential in the Zelda universe, but can be good at certain times. Can also bite you in the ass. Okay, so we've got Deku scrubs who are worshipping Ganon. Yeah. We've got uh, shrine maidens who are like, eh, people from the desert, eh. But 
you know, it's clear at this point. They've told us a little over halfway through the game. Yeah, uh, the actual bad is coming from this guy named Ganon. And he used the mirror to create the Shadow Links who are hounding you throughout this entire adventure. And, um, yeah, you go to the desert. Mm-hmm. And you learn the lore there from not just the Gerudo people or Gerudo people, but there's a, a new race there called the Zuma people for some reason. Zuna. And they're kind of green and kind of, oh dear, they've got the they got kind of Arabic. Yeah. Yeah. They're like little, like little racist caricatures, but they look kind of like, they look almost like uh, choo choos wearing turbans. Can you link Crystal? Hold on. Yeah, I got the got the wiki up. Oh, okay. Do they look kind yeah, of like... like the choo choos evolved and wore clothes? <laughs> <laughs> like the only thing they knew in terms of what clothes they should wear was Disney's Aladdin. Uh, what well, am I wrong? No. They have a, a massage salon and some gambling. That's yes. great. Yeah, gambling and massage. <sighs> Okay, so so, so, so you- the the Gerudo mentioned that they exiled Ganondorf for venturing out into the desert, which is forbidden, and going into the sacred pyramids. Um, the Zuna people confirm, yeah, we saw Ganondorf walk over. He's probably going to die along the way. Um, but, but yeah, um, we built these ancient pyramids, or our ancestors did, and they house a great evil. The, the Zuna are very explicit about this, in fact. They say that Ganondorf is a wicked man, but he will surely breathe his last, failing the tests presented by the pyramid. So these are the dark interlopers, right? The cactus people? The cactus people. <laughs> that's going to have to wait for the, <laughs> the discussion. The, but that's an okay. excellent, excellent uh, the, the Zuna. Choice. The Zuna are the dark interlopers. Oh man, I can't wait for that episode. It's going to be good. I think that we should probably try to record that before we leave for Japan. Yeah. Just in case. Crystal, are you ready to fight it out? Yeah. Yeah. We got to start collecting different theories about what the Dark Interlopers are. Okay. Um, So anyway, the the legends have decayed enough so that the Zuna people, they, they remember or are told that they built the pyramids, but they can't remember if there's a great evil force in it or no evil force in it or maybe this is one like zuna who's just not you know failed all his history classes yeah he's not very good at being rememberable yeah i mean moldorms in it moldorms in there that's a pretty yeah. evil force so inside but you do they ever get more specific about what the evil force in the pyramid is the reason that they don't want ganon to get in there oh yes they do there's a trident a trident a trident. A very evil, infused mm. trident. Huh. And by the time you get there, Gandorf has taken it. So it's a weapon with three or four prongs wielded by a single person. That is generally what a trident is, yes. Yes, thank you. <laughs> but what I mean is it's sort of a thematic counterpoint to the four sword. Ah, uh, he got three pointy things <laughs> yes. in one. Yes, it's just how I see it. Are there tridents with four prongs? No, then they're fordents. <laughs> Good. Good. I was going to say, like, that's like a rake or a, um, a gardening hoe. <laughs> you, 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 you know, like with four prongs on it. Oh, my God. 
that's neither a raven. The inscription on the trident is, uh, we grant you the power to ruin the world. The power of darkness. Nice. Evil spirit of magic trident. You are the king of darkness. That's a fuck of a trident. Do we have any idea who actually made the trident? I don't think it's mentioned. It's being stored in the pyramids where the Zuna, that the Zuna built. But they may have built it just to, like, seal it away. They don't have super crazy god-given magic, so they just build a really secure building. Uh, later, Zelda says, King of Darkness, Ancient Demon Reborn, the wielder of the tridents. Yeah. That's mm. heavy. What? So they locked up Demise in here. Uh, there's, like, two reasons that that doesn't work, I think. Why? Well... Demise was either utterly obliterated by having a mountain dropped on him, or he was trapped inside the Master Sword and his soul was destroyed by it. It could be the distilled um, version of his curse, I guess. We'll come back to this. It could be. Well, there's also an interesting um, text. If you control F for that writing on those large rocks. Oh, I see. So, this is said by the Red Maiden in fairy form. Hmm? The writing on those large rocks. It's in an ancient tongue. Let's see if I can read it. Seek you the world? Seek you power? Does your soul despise peace and thirst for more? Does your soul cry for destruction and conquest? We grant you power to ruin the world. The power of darkness, evil spirit of magic trident, you are the king of darkness. And what's Ganon's problem? <laughs> the, the, the fun thing about this, the fun thing about this is that she's reading this inscription underneath an indentation of where the trident used to fucking be. Dun, dun, dun. I don't know, Ganon wants power. And the maiden is like, do you think the person who took this trident was Ganondorf? Yes, Ganondorf wants power. Yeah, Ganondorf hella wants power. And it's funny here, though, because they're also confused because the Maiden assumes that Vati is the king of darkness because Vati is the great ancient evil in this version of the setting. Ganondorf's a new kid on the block comparatively. Yeah, they don't know about Ganondorf. Yeah, they're just like, who's this Ganondorf guy? What, what, why does he want the trident? Is the trident talking about Vati? Ah, none of this makes any sense. Um. Okay, so what happens along the way, uh, you have to get you learn that zelda is being held in the tower of winds and the only way to access the tower of winds is to get access to the royal jewels which kind of sounds perverse what like the like the, the crown, crown jewels. jewels crown jewels right yeah what like kick him in the jewels oh i don't know why my mind went there i'm sorry do we just like find the king and just kick him in the no no the the royal jewels of which there are four are being held by the four knights of hyrule which you have to find. But there are four Knights of Hyrule. Hopefully there were more, but there were four holding the jewels. Okay. So where do you find these people? Well, you get them sort of one uh, mini boss at a time because they were each uh, thrown into the Dark World by some mysterious person who's not Vati. Right. And the jewels were corrupted into Dark World portals, again by this mysterious person. And you basically have to portal in and do these these fights with these large giants, night people. And then they, they turn into very weird-looking Hylian people. Oh, I see. 
That sounds a lot like the Twilight Princess. Yeah. Where good people are transformed by artifacts of another world. I think, well, I don't know if it was the act of them being thrown into the dark world that did it. I think they were ensorcelled. Sure. Anything more to cover or shall we get to the (laughs) exciting finale? I'm not aware. Crystal, do you have anything from the game that you super want to cover from here on? Uh, I, we should talk about the timeline placement, but let's do the finale first. Okay. Yeah. So, um. <laughs> that timeline placement is going to involve a lot of metatextual discussion while we're at it, because... Yeah, we'll, <laughs> no. get, we'll, we'll get to it. It's textual. Shut up, we'll get to I, it. I made notes. No, we'll get to it, though. Okay. So, you get the four royal jewels, and you open up the access to the Tower of Winds... And you get to the top, and you you free Zelda by beating up Vati. Was it Vati? Well, you got. Yeah. Uh, hold on, my notes don't cover that. You can see where my attention lapses. Yeah, the actual what happens. What? F- <laughs> no, like which boss to fight? Yeah, Vati's a real punk in this game, huh? Totally. He's he is defeated in combat. Yes, you do have to fight him at the top of the Tower of Winds. Okay, good. It's not even treated like a big deal. It's like, oh yeah, you beat Vadi. Now let's let's move on. And it's not like he has to be sealed away either. No, it's, go look at the plot thing because this is afterward. What are you talking about? Um, look. Can you look at the bosses in this game? Give me just a second here. Not that it's really important when Vadi is beaten. He's not very. We just dunk on Vadi like constantly <laughs> through this podcast. Sorry, Vati fans. Eh. No, I think it's Frostair. Frostair? Why are we looking at Frostair? Because... But Frostair is... He's in the Tower of Winds. Okay. And this area of Hyrule's frozen over because something, something evil magic. Because there's more. Sorry, the Tower of Winds, and then on top of the Tower... Frozen Hyrule. The Tower of Winds is separate from the Palace of Winds. Yes, it is. Okay. I was going to get into that. Okay, okay, okay. <clears throat> Where were we? So you beat the boss of the Tower of the Winds, Zelda, and you guys get access to the Realm of the Heavens, where the Wind Palace is, and that's where you defeat Vati. Vati always gets his Palace of Winds. But isn't Zelda still being held <laughs> wind by... Palace. Zelda wasn't held by Vati then. No. That's right. Okay. So Vati never actually got to kidnap anybody in this version. Yes. Crystal, you were right. Vati got fucking stepped on. Yeah, and you, you don't even seal him. You just fucking kill him. It's like, uh, we're gonna... Nope. Bah. Yeah. That's different. It's like he's much weak. He's either much weaker than last time, or is... I think he's mindless in this, basically. It's like his time of imprisonment has caused him to degrade. Yeah, he doesn't say anything. Hmm. And after you murder Vati to death, yeah. Ganon's voice appears and says... This is all there was to the wind sorcerer Vati. Eh. Even Ganon dunks on Vati. <laughs> Ganon don't talk much in this game, but he spends more than none of it dunking on a guy who just died. Who sucks? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I guess the, the whole point was he, twists of twists, um, created the Shadow Links to distract you and taunt you into pulling out the Four Sword and releasing Vati, which then you had to run around to try to defeat, also that he could leech power or get power from the situation. Basically, he creates chaos 
so that he can freely go into the pyramid without any heroes trying to show up and stop him. I don't know. I don't know the exact chronology if he got the trident first and did all of this or if he did the if it was the other way around. Why did he bother kidnapping all the maidens in the first place? Distract you. From what? Him seizing power? I don't know. Is Maybe. it just like he takes over Hyrule behind the scenes? Is that like that's all the weird things The game does imply that Ganon has started to take control of the military. Personally, I read that um, Ganondorf went in, got the trident, and then started doing the super evil stuff. Nice. But that's just me. He absorbs the power of the maidens. Ah, uh, cool. Well, there you go. Yeah, this Ganon doesn't... He's quite different from Ganondorf the first in that he doesn't have any, like, pretense of nobility. He's just an evil man who thirsts for destruction and the pure release of rage. Ganondorf the first, you say? Yeah. Huh. We'll get into the timeline thing in a second. Okay. We're okay. nearly done. We're nearly done. Nearly there. So after you defeat Vati, the Wind Palace starts to crumble. So you have an escort mission where you have to collectively um, bring Zelda, who only has one heart, safely down the crumbling tower. Zelda remarks, huh, strange. The monsters are still okay. You'd think that defeating Vati would, you know, dispel the monsters. As is the way of things. Even usually. though Ganon has just spoken. Yeah. Um, anyway, and then you get into the um, Tower of Winds, and that starts crumbling. And then you fall into a place. And surprise, it's Ganon. Nobody saw this coming. Somehow. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Sorry, sorry. I forgot to mention that at one point, Zelda spawns a rainbow bridge. Yeah. Yeah, that's very important. I like rainbows. So. Yeah, we're, we're big on rainbows and bridges. Yeah. We're a pro-rainbow podcast. But, um, okay. Uh, so surprise Ganon. Yes. The fight seems pretty interesting. He shoots these electric blasts, and nearly midway through, he kind of fights like Link to the Past. Ganon, I guess he's a big, he's a giant blue pig with a trident. Does he do the fire bats thing? I didn't look at the video long enough, and I don't remember from my own play. But um, halfway through, Zelda tells you that she'll have to step in, and she's going to power up these, I think she just calls them balls of light. And then you have to uh, infuse these balls of light with uh, the power of the four sword, by which, you know, she means it's going to kind of twirl around, and then one of you four suckers has to hit it. At Ganon. So the four sword by itself isn't actually strong enough to defeat Ganon. Zelda has to pull out this mysterious power that she has. Did Fujibayashi have anything to do with this? I don't believe so, no. Huh, that's weird. It, that that has his fingerprints all over it. <laughs> She's just a very excellent sage in this one. I guess. Aside from the, you know, everything that happened. You can't predict Ganon. I guess. Okay, then you... No, you can. <laughs> <laughs> well, I... I... You kind of, in the larger overarching, you know, he's going to betray everybody and make a power grab. Okay. Yeah, but like that that's only true in the sense if you know who Ganon is. These people clearly have never heard of Ganon before. Yeah. So you beat Ganon. He's very upset about it. Then he's sealed into the four sword. And this is a very, very important thing that happens. Oh, God. The the four Link gremlins merge into Link, the one Link, but the final tunic color of the Link 
depends on who had the most force gems along the way. So in the YouTube video that I watched of these four guys playing, the blue Link was um, the most power hungry and grabbed the most force gems and died the least. So in the end, there was a blue Link. When the game starts with a green Link. Yes. Where'd green Link go? He didn't, um, he didn't successfully carry over. He didn't have enough force gems, so he got overwritten by this blue Link. Yeah. This really contextualizes it as a battle for survival. Yeah. But you don't know that until the very end. It's like, surprise, idiots. You were all different people all along, and only one of you gets to live. Oof. So. <sighs> <laughs> it's terrible. The Four Swords games are all about competition, though. It's completely opposite of uh, Triforce Heroes. I suppose so. So, um, big happy ending where Kapora Gabora flies around and everything's good and... There's actually another fat joke in here in that there's a, another fat lady who has slimmed down through the power of exercise and her um, henpecked husband is very pleased about it. Of course. Of course. Um, and the game concludes with Zelda standing in Hyrule Castle, kind of looking at a window, and then she walks towards... Oh, sorry. We jumped ahead. The four sword is put back into... The Four Sword Sanctuary is put back into the Four Sword Sanctuary again and is sealed in the sword. And then the Seven Maidens put a further seal over the sword. And then the Kabora Gabora plot runs. Okay, so hold on. So is it the power of the Maidens that merges the four links back together? I don't. I don't know. Because it's not the sword being put back in place. That's true. So it has to be the Maidens who did it, and they just did it in such a way that the Link, who is Zelda's friend, could theoretically cease to exist? Yes. Shit's fucked. Maybe he should have been better. <laughs> Maybe he should have been better, I guess. Um. Okay, so the Four Sword is sealed up in the Four Sword Sanctuary. Kapora Gabora shows you all of Hyrule and how everybody's doing good, except... Like, then we uh, get to the ending the ending ending we've seen the ending the ending is ganon being defeated no it's this zelda is, standing in the castle this is a denouement <laughs> okay fine Den denouement <laughs> denouement not an ending where zelda standing in the castle and then she slowly walks into a back room where there is a big golden triforce symbol that is gleaming over the door and that's the last shot yes that's the only appearance of the triforce in this video game yes huh this game's got a lot in it also, uh, Ganon is sealed in a place with a big eye symbol over it, and then he's associated with eyes in the Breath of the Wild. That's true. Yes. So, um, Crystal, I think you might be uh -huh. more familiar with the backstory, or rather the true origin of the game, than either of the two of us. Can you tell us a little bit about the development of Four Sword Adventures? Uh, actually, you know what? Let me pull up a thing. Okay. Yeah, there's an Anuma interview. Ooh. This is back when the game was still titled Four Swords for the Nintendo GameCube. Uh, this is from a Game Informer interview with Eiji Anuma, uh, performed by Billy Berghammer of Game Informer in 2004. The first title that I was on the producer on is Four Swords Adventures. Right out the gates, I ran into a lot of problems with that. There are many things that went wrong. Like what? Well, Mia, Mr. Miyamoto is still absolute. What he says goes. 
in an example with Four Swords Adventures. I was the producer on that game, so I didn't actually put the story for that game together. That would be put together by the director of the game. And in the end on that game, as we got closer to finishing it, of course, Mr. Miyamoto then came in and upended the tea table. And we changed the story around quite a bit at the end with Four Swords Adventures. And what Mr. Miyamoto pointed out in the case of that game was that the storyline shouldn't be something complicated that confuses the player. <laughs> well, they failed at that. It should really be kind of a guideline that helps ease the player through the gameplay process and helps them understand what it is they're doing. So that was one example of how the gameplay was there first and the storyline changed all the way up to the very end. Is this the same interview where, I guess Miyamoto might have said it at several points, but, you know, where the the belief that, you know, story doesn't matter comes up? I, I think that this is, it's not directly from Miyamoto by any means, but this is sort of indicative of the same mode that we would see from Miyamoto later on where he would... Uh, <sighs> He would tear things up in a similar way for a series like Paper Mario. He killed Paper Mario. <laughs> Basically fucking killed Paper, killed Paper Mario. Yeah. Yeah, they did kill Paper Mario. Which is Ma- sad because the Thousand Year Old Door was just the best. Is that the, the greatest? God. Remember when Paper Mario's had so many like fun and creative characters and now they're all fucking toads? Remember how there was a bomb mom and he was a, a captain and he had lost his wife and was in mourning? And also he fought by, like, running at enemies and blowing himself up. There was so much going on with Admiral Bobbery. And that was his name, Admiral Bobbery. I loved him. There was so much going on in that fucking game. And there was a Goomba who went to Goomba University. Do you remember that bit with Admiral Bobbery where you finish recruiting him by finding a letter left behind by his wife, asking him not to give up because he loved the sea before she loved before he loved her and he should continue doing that even after she's gone oh no yeah hold on i gotta stop monica's getting fucked up by fucked up you mean teary yeah uh anyway miyamoto came in uh and upended the tea table for four swords adventures do we have any idea what it was supposed to be like before he did that well we don't have any solid idea but you can extrapolate from what's left over in the game what how, how, what would you extrapolate? So, all the overworld sprite work is taken from A Link to the Past uh, with a bunch of post-processing effects added over it because it's on the GameCube. Right. Uh, we know the game originally had a magic meter and that instead of force gems, there were rupees. And along with the story of the Tridents and uh, uh, Ganondorf becoming Ganon, it seems to suggest that this game was supposed to be related to A Link to the Past. This was supposed to be the Imprisoning War. Perhaps. Like, in the same sense that Ocarina of Time could be taken as the Imprisoning War, this also feels like it should have been the Imprisoning War. And it even replaces the Seven Wise Men with Seven Maidens. So, where does the Historia place this game? The Historia places this game in a somewhat controversial position which is in a child timeline after Twilight Princess. We do see the many similarities to Twilight Princess, and I guess because the the writers went on to do Twilight Princess, the next Zelda game. Well, yeah, A Link to the Past and Twilight Princess are definitely the games that this one has the most connection to, besides the other Four Swords, of course. Right. Um, Back in the olden times, this would usually be used as a bridge to try to connect A Link to the Past and Twilight Princess. Hmm. Uh, I've never actually heard that. 
I think I've usually seen it directly after Four Swords because why wouldn't you? But either way, um, people are putting a couple of games in between. It's not like Minish Cap. Four Swords and Four Swords Adventures have always been kind of problem children where it's very difficult to figure out where you want them to be. But it's like, I guess the idea for Twilight Princess is that Ganon dies and then he's reincarnated in Four Swords Adventures. Yeah, I feel like Four Swords is pretty easy to place because there's so little story that it doesn't really interfere with anything. Uh, Placing Adventures directly after Four Swords as a prequel to Ocarina was also a pretty popular position. You could consider this kind of the the washing away of the old demon body and the introduction of the new demon, Ganondorf. So I have another suggestion why the Historia might put Four Swords Adventures after Twilight Princess. Okay. And people are not going to like this. But okay. um, so the dark mirror that I mentioned earlier, um, in the game there's a couple of quotes about it. The White Maiden says, That mirror reveals the wickedness within a person and brings it to life. But later on, um, Dompe says, Legends speak of a mirror in which a dark tribe was sealed away long ago. I understand it's supposed to be hidden now somewhere in the forest of light. And oh, you, another yeah, you can quote, hear Crystal song. <laughs> this shit has already started. Another quote, Long ago, a dark tribe invaded Hyrule. They were defeated and imprisoned within the mirror. The tribe's mirror prison was then secreted away and hidden in the forest temple to sever its connection to this world. So, yeah. hmm. placing this after Twilight Princess, it's pretty clear what happened, according to the Historia. It's supposed to be the Mirror of Twilight? It is a Mirror of Twilight, yeah. A yes. mirror. Not the mirror, because the mirror was destroyed. Oh. But the okay. the shadow links are the Twilight. Drawn forth by the power of Ganondorf. Again. They were. Mm. They turned evil. They turned evil. I don't like this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think anybody the likes this. Were portrayed as dark links. They were. In the yes, story. they were. They were absolutely portrayed as dark links. Though that does bring to mind why would they be portrayed as dark links in Twilight Princess if Twilight Princess is supposed to come before Four Swords Adventures? Actually, insofar as that goes, um, why the fuck doesn't anybody remember Ganondorf? Been a while. Where's it's been a while? Where's the Master Sword? It's gone. Why? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's no mention of the, of the Master Sword. <laughs> that's one of the reasons I'm inclined to place this game earlier, before Twilight Princess, and perhaps even before Ocarina. It's this is maybe the hardest game to place. Wow. It's actually given me so many goddamn problems. I flirted for a very long time with creating a completely separate continuum that was just for the multiplayer games. It's like piss on it. They can go over here. Well, um this is about as time a good a time as any to I guess I should firstly break out why Four Swords Adventures doesn't make a lot of sense taking place after Twilight Princess. Okay. Firstly, the the trident, the desert pyramid, those where did they came come from? And where did they go? Right. Um secondly, the Gerudo are living. They have not been wiped out. Or driven off deeper into the desert. Yes. They're in Hyrule proper. And thirdly, the whole nobody recognizes Gendorf's name. And you think that they would because he basically took over for a while. He conquered Hyrule twice. Twice. <laughs> well, 
waged a large war. This is the child timeline. Maybe Twilight in Princess. Twilight Princess, like th- nobody knew that it was Ganondorf and he waged a secret war. Because one of the things about Twilight Princess is that there's no real awareness of the conflict that's going on. But he nearly conquered Hyrule in ages past. You'd think he would be in all their history books. I mean, in the child timeline, Ganondorf's actions are not as notable. Like, he'd be in the history books as someone who attempted a coup, but he didn't actually succeed or anything. What Gerudo would name her son Ganondorf? I don't know. Who would <laughs> name their son Julian? I, no, no, I mean, like, Ganondorf is a bad name. Associ- Gerudo... Men born to the Gerudo are so rare that you'd think it'd be pretty easy to keep track of all their names and everything that they've done. Especially a bad man. Especially the bad man. The bad man. Maybe they're all named Ganondorf. <laughs> oh, no. Um, oh, because they all look kind of alike, so Ganondorf is just the descriptive name. <laughs> yeah, Ganondorf just means male Gerudo. Huh. Damn it. Came back around on me. <laughs> Um, but let's let's put this Four Swords Adventures elsewhere on the timeline. Okay. So the next place to explore is on the Fallen Hero or Downfall timeline. That, that's the uh, Historia timeline that takes place in the theoretical time after Link loses the final battle with Ganon in Ocarina of Time. Yes. But again, there's, there's problems. Okay. So yeah. firstly... Well, I should explain why we're putting it there, because, you know, Ganon, Pig Ganon, looks exactly like Link to the Past, Pig Ganon. And he's got all the same moves. And he's got a trident. Right. It's clear that they meant for this to be a precursor to Link to the Past on some level. Right. And, you know, the the sealing of Ganon, the wise men who are actually seven maidens, the knights of Hyrule that were involved, all of that. Yeah, the pyramid. Yeah, the pyramid. But... Now we get into the problems, namely Ganondorf is not a recognized figure again, which oh. really should happen because this would happen in an adult timeline of Ocarina of Time variant where Ganondorf literally ruled the world. For seven years. His, that, I, okay, yeah, that's the kind of thing where the idea of who's this Ganon guy becomes less and less, like, understandable. Yeah. Um, and then there is... No mention of the Master Sword, which you'd think that at the outbreak of a great evil, someone would say, hey, go get the Master Sword, which I I understand this is Four Swords Adventures, but come on, like, let's go into the story reasons. Right. Yeah, not the uh, external context. So the story reason that the Master Sword isn't there is something we have to consider. Yes. And then there's a question of why would... Mm -hmm. Oh, is that Crystal? Uh, I'm leaning very strongly now to placing it between Four Swords and Ocarina. Okay, that's a thought. So then there is the question of why would the Twily turn so evil (laughs) (laughs) after when even um, in Twilight Princess they had to be sort of spurred on by this evil god. They had to be corrupted corrupted. by magic. Yeah. So that's based on the assumption that... Okay, it is basically just the fucking Twilight Mirror. They describe it in exactly the same way. So, there is one final timeline to consider. Okay. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And no, it is not the adult timeline. It's the accursed timeline. Okay. That Cameron brought up 
all the way back in the Ocarina of Time episode. Okay, so you want to, in case any of our listeners are skipping around and of all episodes have decided to listen to the Four Swords Adventure episode to the exclusion <laughs> <laughs> to the exclusion of the others, um, the Accursed Timeline posits that there is no timeline split at the end. When Link never loses to Ganon in Ocarina of Time. The actual timeline split occurs in the ending of Skyward Sword. One timeline has Demise being destroyed by a wish on the Triforce. And that's the timeline in which Ocarina of Time happens. The other timeline is the timeline in which Link goes back in time and kills Demise with the Master Sword. And that is the timeline in which Demise places his curse on the soul of the hero and the blood of the goddess for all time. And the idea being that Ganon, as manifested in the games that I've placed on the Accursed Timeline, the NES and Super Nintendo games, uh, Breath of the Wild, is not the same Ganon as in the Ocarina of Time versions of the timelines. It's a manifestation of Demise's hatred. So with the way the trident is described, it would definitely make sense to me if somehow his curse was trapped within it or something. Yeah! Okay, so, oh. <laughs> so so how are you going to be placing this particular game on the Accursed Timeline? Because it's got a lot of stuff in it. Yes, so we are placing it... I guess four swords can go in this, as can the Minish Cap, sure. over to the Accursed Timeline. They, they fit easily enough. And then Four Swords Adventures, where we see this Ganondorf figure for the first time. And unlike as what is described in his story, he's not a reincarnation. This is just the first time Ganondorf shows up on this timeline. He goes after the Trident and is infused with the curse of Demise. And then goes on to endlessly reincarnate as Demise's curse. So the people who placed the Trident... Or, or is the trident itself manifested by the curse? It doesn't really matter who plays. It didn't have to be created by anyone. Yeah, it's not really answered in this. Okay. This would kind of mean that Vati is probably not part of the whole curse thing. It could be. He could be. He, he would just be the one that comes first. And fails. And fails. And here is, you know, a better iteration of Demise's curse. Now, this also answers... Um, why the Master Sword isn't mentioned at all in the Four Sword Adventures, it wasn't created yet. So it doesn't exist. Because um, it wasn't created in the long distant past to defeat Demise. Right. And, you know, it's, funnily enough, everybody kind of runs with the assumption that um, in Link to the Past, the Master Sword was used or even forged during the Imprisoning War, but... I comb through the text dump, and um, there's no mention of its usage in the Imprisoning War. All that is mentioned is uh, one line where it goes, Long ago, a prosperous people known as the Hylia inhabited this land. Legends tell of many treasures that the Hylia hid throughout the land. The Master Sword, a mighty blade forged against those with evil hearts, is one of them. People say that is now sleeping deep in the forest. So, it could have very well been created as a contingency after Four Swords Adventures, because... The Four Sword wasn't doing enough in the final battle. Right. And also, it, it, it was it's sealing Ganon. So you don't want to have to do another situation where you pull out a sword and then release another evil to defeat the new evil. Right. Okay. 
So your suggestion here is that this is the imprisoning war, so to speak. Yes. It, it has the Knights of Hyrule being defeated. It has the seal of the seven maidens who later are thought to be seven wise men because I guess Hyrule gets a lot more patriarchal over the years. Yeah. Um, and, you know, one thing that people use to sort of criticize its placement before Link to the Past is, and this one, Ganon is sealed in the Four Sword. And in A Link to the Past, he is sealed up in the Golden Realm, which has become the Dark World. Right, because that's where the Triforce is. However, as we have mentioned at the start of this podcast, the Four Swords Sanctuary is in a portal apart from Hyrule. Potentially in another dimension. It is in the Dark World. Right, because the Dark World is a thing in this. So... This theory would mean that the Dark World existed first, and without its transformative powers, Ganon was sealed there um, in the Four Sword, and then with a further seal on the sword itself. Uh, hold on. Mm-hmm. How the fuck did the how did the Triforce get there? Right. So the Triforce in Four Swords Adventures, by the mysterious ending, um, is in Hyrule proper at the time. But I have two potential theories and they kind of work they don't conflict each other um two potential theories as to why it's put into the dark world okay so the first one is that there has been a couple of power grabs around hyrule proper yeah so zelda moved it into a safe place that's inaccessible to normal people um namely the the dark world where, yes, there is an evil monster thing being sealed, but it's under, like, double seals. He's, and, it's super safe. And the Four Sword has never actually failed as a seal up to this point. Right. The other reason is, in this game, we see that the Dark World is leeching into the regular world. Uh, it, the veil is thin, or so on. Sure. So, putting the Triforce into the Dark World actually transforms the place into the Golden Realm. And... The the connection the 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 veil is stronger. Let's just say it stabilizes the dark. It world. It stabilizes the dark world and makes it a wonderful place. Oh, and that's part of why the dark world disappears when the Triforce is taken out of it at the end of Link to the Past. Right. It turns back into well, actually, it turns into the Dark World Plus, which um, well, the Triforce isn't taken out. Oh, sorry, you mean at the end of Link to the Past? That's what I said. Okay, I mean to say when a Link to the Past. Ganon breaks out. Right. So he breaks out and just utterly breaks the Four Sword. Sure. The and four that's why it never comes up again. The Four Sword is shattered. And that's why no heroes ever turn into four more people. Yes. And then it turns into Dark World Plus, where with the golden power, um, people who go into the Dark World are turned into different animals or into their so- uh, heart. And Link to the Past, there is a line by the Ball person who mentions that it's the golden power that is turning um, people into different um, animals shapes. and uh, shapes. It's not the dark world itself. Okay, so basically you're outlining the reasoning by which it could be understood that the dark world in Four Swords Adventures and the dark world in Link to the Past are the same place, the difference being that one is empowered by the Triforce and one is not, because Zelda hid the Triforce in the dark world and left it behind the seal of the seven maidens yes and nobody so what's the imprisoning war 
Four Swords Adventures. It's Four Swords Adventures. Okay, it seems like the details don't match up. Well, that's only the details as outlined in the manual, right? Okay. <laughs> the well, I don't know. The there's an understanding in Link to the Past that Ganondorf or Ganon ran into this the Golden Realm and sought the Triforce. But that may be something that is just confused. He searched after power. And, you know, oh, the Triforce is in this place, and therefore he must have been after it. Seems like a pretty easy-to-confuse legend to me. Oh, isn't there a four-sword dungeon in the Link to the Past GBA? There is... Link to the Past GBA actually had four-sword attached to it as a multiplayer thing, didn't it? Right. There's also a bonus dungeon in the Link to the Past itself. I think it's the anniversary edition? It's access through the Pyramid of Power. Or, no, yeah, it's in the, um... Yeah, no, it's in the... The, the version that came out with Link to the Past. You're right. Maybe this is where Ganon was sealed. Yeah. Yeah, it could well be. This is coming together. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I feel like it'd be simpler to just say, okay, Ganon was sealed here. Then Mandrag Ganon was born and the imprisoning war happened as described. Is that simpler, though? It, it requires yet another war that involves yet another sealing by the seven wise men. By and, another Ganon. And yet another manifestation of Ganon carrying this same fucking trident who looks exactly alike. But the Triforce doesn't play any role in this game. It doesn't have to. It's kind of an important part of the legends that I'm not willing to strike from the canon <laughs> just because it is extra textual. Wait, wait, wait. Why do you think we're trying to strike it from the legend? Monica outlined here that it, the implication of the very, very end of Four Swords Adventure is that Zelda is going into a chamber that houses the Triforce. But the whole legend is that Ganon went into the Sacred Realm to take the Triforce. What's easier to imagine? That Ganon's motivations ch- were understood to have changed over time? Like, the understanding of his motivations changed over time. Or the or, chronology. Or that Ganon was forgotten. Because... I don't see why Ganon would have to be forgotten. For Four Swords Adventures? Where would you place it? Yeah. Otherwise. No, I, no I'm fine with this placement. I'm just trying to maintain the integrity of the Imprisoning War. <laughs> I think this placement is actually good. I, I don't know if I like the idea of another Ganondorf, just because... This placement on the um, the accursed timeline um, then gives an origin to to the Ganons. Yeah, it does. This is the form that they came from. This version of Ganondorf, born in this timeline, was corrupted by Demise's power. And unlike the so other, the-, uh, the Historia timelines theory, it doesn't require a reincarnation of Ganon. Which has never Dwarf. happened otherwise. Yeah. Oh yeah. Fuck the story. The story. <laughs> no more history. We're abandoning it. Yeah. So you're saying th- this guy is Dragmire. Yeah. Yes. This is Ganondorf Dragmire. Okay. The desert thief. The desert thief who leads the bandits. Yeah. And the imprisoning war legend was just wrong. Yeah, basically. Well, but there's some okay. parts that are right. There are knights. There, there are... were seven. They got the genders wrong, but <laughs> there were seven powers. Seven sages. Sage is gender neutral. Okay. <laughs> so Ganon was sealed in the Palace of the Four Sword in the Dark World. Zelda put the Triforce there. Then Ganon broke out, which broke the Four Sword, and he took the Triforce. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Okay, I'm willing to co-sign this. <laughs> yeah! Okay, well... We did it. We that, did it. That mm, that solves most of my biggest problems with the Four Sword Adventures, I guess. Um, There is... Uh, no? 
Is there? Do you see any other problems with this crystal? Um. So what's the deal with the Twilight? How do you mean? Because, well, I guess what is their role in the Accursed Timeline? Because everything we know about them is not from the Accursed Timeline. Okay. Well, so- I would say that probably the the Twilight never became the Twilight. The interlopers never became the Twilight. Twilight. Um, because um, they're still really weird, evil infused in this. The curse affected the Twilight Realm. Sure. And... But, so they did the same thing in both timelines? It just ended up differently? They both attempted to... And they were... They were trying to steal the Triforce, weren't they? They were yes. trying to steal the Triforce, which... Hmm. Well, we can get into this now if you'd like. I do have something to yeah, let's say. let's do it. Sure. Well, uh, if you put Four Swords Adventures in the Accursed Timeline and... There is a mirror both here and in the child timeline. And the mirror was made to seal the interlopers away. And the mirror was made to seal <gasps> the interlopers away. Then clearly You're it... You're not suggesting. <laughs> <laughs> then clearly it happened before... Now, what, what, what are you thinking, Crystal? That the Twilight Realm is uh, extra-temporal. Hmm. That is certainly a possibility. Huh, I hadn't thought of that. That's a, that's a good possibility. That's a good possibility. Well, I'm I'm not sure if we'll want to have this part in. Oh, no, go go ahead. Okay. No, let's let's talk about okay. it. Okay. Well, then you know there being mirrors in both parts, we can say that it happened before. It's most neat if it happens before the timeline split, which is back before demise was defeated. Hmm. So the war with the interlopers predates Skyward Sword. Oh. And there's a group of people who struck out against the goddess Hylia. And the Triforce. And went to war for the Triforce and were sealed away for it. So what you're saying is that the Twily are the demon tribe. Yes. Oh, okay. The interlopers that would make sense are the why demon the, tribe. The legend involves the goddesses actually directly ordering the light spirits. Maybe they hadn't even left yet. Huh. That hmm. Does that explain Midna's red hair? It could. So Midna <laughs> Midna is a descendant of one of Demise's cousins. Yes. Huh. Bruce is one of the descendants of the demon tribe. <laughs> this is the, the reason why I, I hesitated to bring it up, because this may interfere with our interlopers theory episode. Oh, no, we're still doing that one. Oh, man. Okay, but... But this idea that the interlopers are the demon tribe... And that the conflict described in Twilight Princess is, in fact, the same conflict as forms the backstory for Skyward Sword is actually pretty uh, tidy. Yeah. Yeah. There aren't any huge holes in it that I can see. Crystal, can you believe that? (laughs) I I sat down yesterday evening and basically started off going, oh, my God. This fucking game and its fucking elements with a second Gandorf that nobody recognizes. This this story is messy, lore-wise as hell. And, and then... It's like three hours <laughs> into her taking notes. Three hours into her uh, her writing. She looks up and she goes, oh my god, it's on the accursed timeline. I'm like, what? And you know that thing where I sometimes make up stuff on the fly and it sounds pretty decent with canon, even though I'm just saying it in the middle of the episode? She does that shit like 20... Uh-huh. She does that 24 hours before. I, I like to take notes. I believe that. <laughs> the true test of this theory will be if anything in Minish Cap can contradict it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll gonna... have to play through Minish Cap with that in mind. 
Yeah, we'll have to do some <sighs> studying, I think. Okay, so the, the interlopers are the demon tribe that came out of the earth. They were banished, and then demise became the imprisoned. I think there's a lot of merit in exploring other interloper potentials. Yeah, of course. We're still going to have the interloper episode, because there are as many interloper theories as there are timeline theories. But this does also provide some understanding of why the interlopers were portrayed the way they were because the demon tribe as we've seen of them which is basically just demise look essentially like big humans cloaked in shadow yes ah i huh i did not go into this trying to validate cameron's accursed timeline theory (laughs) i guess it just kind of worked out that way i mm, there are like 10 different similar legends about a group of people trying to claim the triforce and i am inclined half of me to try to combine them into a more neater uh, story. But I also kind of like that it just happened a dozen times. Yeah. 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 Well, Crystal, you'll have to bring all that together for when we uh, do the interloper episode. Yes. <sighs> wow. Is that all we have to say about Four Swords Plus? And it's it, canonical timeline placement? Which is real? I think that we've, uh, <laughs> I think we've done more with Four Swords Adventures than ever could have been reasonably expected. Monica, yay! Good job. I'm just trying to stall because I forgot to put out a question. That's before. okay. We don't really need to super do questions for Four Sword Adventures. Didn't we have one that was lined up? We did have one that was lined up. Yes, it's in the emails. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and open that email. Oh, we got another email. We have two emails. Ah, ah, ah! Which one do we? Well. Oh. The, f- the first one, chronologically. Okay. Okay, this email is going to be good for at least another 15 or 20 minutes of discussion. All right. Shall I read it? Yeah. All right. Uh, this email comes from Jordan H. Hello. I saw you wanted questions or topics about Vati for the episode. And some other fans and I have something we think you should touch on. This is interesting to me because it implies that people are, like, talking about the podcast somewhere that I don't know they're talking about it and putting together questions to send us. And that is both wonderful and strange. That would be the Audio Entropy Discord channel. Is that where they're doing it? Yeah. Cool. Four Swords, like you said, and didn't have much of a story beyond Vati abducting Zelda to be his bride. In Four Sword Adventures... There's very flimsy backstory in the intro about stories of Vati kidnapping beautiful maidens that caught his fancy. In the actual gameplay events of Four Sword Adventures, the only people he captures are Zelda and the six maidens for one purpose, their power and nothing more. Then, in Midish Cap, that motivation of wanting power was expanded upon by the writers into his desire for the Light Force. With a now-developed personality and backstory of him wanting power to overcome how small, weak, and useless he felt both as a minish and as Eslo's weary apprentice, he's given a fleshed-out and interesting character, the likes of which many Nintendo villains don't even get the chance to have. That was why the character stuck with me when I first played MC as a kid, and why he still does now. MC that's really cute. Being minish now I feel really bad on, for dunking on Vati. <laughs> oh, that's cool. I haven't played Minish Cap I don't. yet. Vati's a piece of shit. Oh, no. I haven't played Minish Cap oh, like yet. A little, like a little kid thinking it's really cool that this character has a story that's that's cute listen i've liked way thinner characters for way more specious reasons remind me later to tell you about kagato and tenshi muyo and why i liked him just because of his organ now don't get me wrong just because vadi sucks doesn't mean i don't like him 
but I don't think anyone, even the staunchest Vati fan, would argue that Vati in Four Swords and Four Swords Adventure is much to talk about. When people say Vati is cool, they just mean the Minish Cap version. Yeah. Back to the email. However, years later in Hyrule Historia, Nintendo abruptly went back on that character development and opted for a frankly sexist and cheap justification of the bad writing in Four Swords and Four Swords Adventures. This was that post-Minish Cap Vati had amnesia and simply kidnapped the girls for his fancy, as the Four Sword Adventure intro said in one line, having forgotten all about his life as a Minish and why he wanted power in the first place. Well, that's re- actually really fucking tragic and weird. Nintendo did a pointless heel turn and retconned some of the best villain writing they've ever done, rubbishing it with the same bland sexist kidnapping plots they've been rehashing for decades. They could have simply retconned the sexism and given Four Swords and Four Swords Adventures more merit and shown that they didn't don't view female characters just as things to be rescued anymore, but I suppose they thought that was too much effort. To say myself and other fans dislike that decision would be an understatement. Sorry if this is too lengthy. I tend to get wordy, but it's a topic I and a bunch of other fans of Vati and Minish Cap feel strongly about, and we were wondering what your thoughts on the matter were. Thank you for your time. Thank you for that very thorough question, Jordan. That's the kind of emails we like to get. We yeah. Do, we do love these emails. And sorry that it took so long for us to get to it. We've kind of looked at it each each podcast and gone like, is it time yet? No. No, it says Four Swords Adventures yeah. episode in the subject line. Okay. We waited. We did wait. Um, I think that one important thing to remember is that the Hyrule Historia does not matter. <laughs> it absolutely... Well, okay, let me amend that. Okay. It... It matters until such point that we can think of something better. Yeah. And that's what Nintendo does, so, you know, why not? I mean, the Historia has already been overwritten by the Encyclopedia, right? On certain topics, yeah. Uh, what does the Encyclopedia say about the Four Swords Adventures? Does it does it have a new placement for it? Uh, no, I believe the placement is the same. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, the thing is... It's a good guide to have... You know, and a good reference and first point to to refer to, but I wouldn't hold to it if something else in the games makes more sense. Strictly speaking, it's not canon, and you don't have to treat it as a case of... This is a little bit different, because Minish Cap is very much the latest version of Vati. That is Vati fully realized. It's the last we see of him. That is how the developers actually want Vati to be remembered. And... Hyrule Historia is extra textual. It's not strictly canon in the same way that the games are canon. It's just one possible interpretation of the way these games could be fit together sometimes. Because let's get real, these games are really silly, and trying to arrange them into a cohesive timeline is the work of three people over the course of a year. And I don't think they took that long to write the timeline in the Hyrule Historia. But... It is upsetting that they would go in that direction again, this idea that he just gets amnesia and then defaults to this weird Bowser-type stuff. And it's not a very good way to reconcile these two depictions. But in another way, I don't think it's actually retconning anything. It's not changing the text of the works as they're presented. It's just an explanation for why it might be this way. I think marrying the two together... Um, namely Vati in Minish Cap and Vati in the Four Swords Adventures, without retconning anything. Um, to me, it feels possible that, you know, there's this, like, Minish Vati 
who, you know, has, uh, is sapient, is intelligent, has plans, goals, dreams, ambitions. And then, you know, he gets turned into the, the giant wind monster thing and then loses an element of himself. A lot of elements of himself. There's a Everything crush. noble, everything dignified, um, everything beyond, let's just say, power grabbing and lechery. And then... That might also explain what happened to Ganon. Exactly. It is like Ganon. Gandorf was a man with, you know, ambitions, with, you know, noble qualities, with dignity, and, you know, with aims, some aims different than just, you know, destroy the world and put it in darkness and, you know, grabs at power, maybe. <laughs> but um, he loses that um, in becoming Ganon. Over time, it's it just be- he just becomes you know this giant hatred energy basically more uh, you know a, um, a more powerful manifestation of the curse right well more like a rain a thunderstorm than a calamity yeah a cla- more like a calamity than a person so I think the way I I comfortably read it if, um, especially as a fan of Vati and Minish Cap is that. You know, there was Vadi and Minish Cap, then he turned into the the monster thing, and then then was the backstory with the lechery and the abducting of maidens with the unknown link um, that happened before Four Swords. Then comes Four Swords, then comes Four Swords Adventures. You keep your Minish Cap Vati adventures intact and pure. I think it does. Yeah, uh, I mean, the fact that Nintendo hates women aside, which they do. I don't really know how they could have retconned the sexism. I, I think that Jordan actually presents a pretty good possibility. This idea that at least once in the past, Vati was not kidnapping them for the sake of romance. He was doing it because they're powerful. Like, if. Okay, yes, he's very explicit about kidnapping Zelda specifically because he wants to marry her in Four Swords. But in the first place, Four Swords is barely canonical at all. In the second place, it I think that Jordan's read on it is fine. The idea that it's not because she's beautiful, but because she has power. And the idea that he becomes less himself over time and forgets why he wanted to do these things. And some echo of that original purpose might still be inside of him. I, I don't know. I actually like that quite a bit. Oh no, it's Nurgle. Yeah, it's Nurgle from Fire Emblem, basically. Spoilers for Fire Emblem. Being the princess because she's powerful instead of just because she's beautiful feels like a very thin improvement. It is a thin improvement. Yeah. But, I mean, if all you're concerned about in this case is the reading of Vati's character, it's still some kind of improvement. Well, I mean, and at least... The Four Swords games were... Okay, I know Minish Cap was in development for a while, but um, at least Minish Cap came after and that had, you know, the greater development and the ostensibly the better reason for kidnapping or seizing Zelda, so to speak. I don't... Maybe some sort of an improvement. Nintendo, get your act together. Is Four Swords Adventures the only Zelda game to have a woman credited as a writer? I'm not oh. sure. It, that's an easy... I, you could say yes, and I would definitely believe you. It's worth saying that the six or seven maidens in this um, have a lot more activity. Agency? Agency. 
I don't I don't want to go to agency <laughs> involvement than um, in a lot of the other games in that they hang around with the Link Gremlins and, you know, talk and um, suggest things. and Being able to hang around and talk actually is an improvement on their agency, which is not to say that Four Swords Adventures did well. It's more a condemnation of the way that Link to the Past treated these characters and also the way that Link Between Worlds would treat their equivalents in the future. Oh, I completely forgot about that. Oh, well. Oh, uh, Aya Kyogoku went on to direct Animal Crossing New Leaf, the greatest video game of all time. Yeah. Oh, God. Monica was big into New Leaf. Yes. You talk, like, I've played a lot of Monster Hunter in the past five or six weeks, but it, that ain't shit compared to somebody on an Animal Crossing bender. It's true. I'm kind of worried of the day Animal Crossing Switch is released. It's going to be good. That might be the first Animal Crossing that I play. We'll die together. We'll visit each other's villages. Yep. And I'll spell things out with rocks. Right? Like butts in the middle of your town square or whatever. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. It, it, Nintendo's thing with female agency in any of its games is bad. Um, hey, you guys want to hear a Nintendo written joke about Zelda before we get to the joke part? Uh, okay. Okay. And this is Four Swords Adventure specific. When is a woman not an object? When? When, when she's a heavy object. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thank you. Did you just come oh, up with God. that on the fly? I guess you did. I, I totally did. That, that's terrible. Yeah, it's bad. It's sad. I think I might... No, I'm going to leave that in there. Because that's how I view Nintendo's writing in a lot of these games. I love Zelda so fucking much, but there's all this shit in it sometimes. A lot of the time. I really did want Breath of the Wild to be better about it, and in some ways it is an improvement, but it just trips all over its own fucking feet in so many places. There has to be more women on the, the development team. I'm not sure that more women on the development team is even necessarily the right call. There has to be, like, a woman director. That's a, on the development team. No, I mean heading the development team. It's not sure. enough for there to be, like, oh, a woman designed all the characters this time. It's like, no, 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 that's not it. Right. We need leadership roles. Yeah. I'm just looking at all the credits for the Zelda games. We mentioned that Aya Kyogoku also worked on Twilight Princess. I'm trying to look for someone else. Ultimately, the Legend of Zelda series is still, in a lot of ways, very masculine-coded, which is doubly strange because, in other ways, it's also very much a shoujo series. Skyward Sword, the it's, best Zelda, uh, up to Breath of the Wild. <laughs> Skyward Sword is the... Yeah, uh, um, Mari Shirakawa is credited as a scriptwriter for Link Between Worlds, game planning for Triforce Heroes, and game design for Breath of the Wild, oh. and supervisor for Freshly Baked Tingle's Rosie Rupee Land. Huh. <laughs> but even then, having more women on the teams isn't any guarantee against this crap. True. There's power structures that you'd have to push against. We got another email here from Tony. I see that you've already written a reply to it, Crystal, but should we go ahead and like record our answer to it just in case there's similar confusion? Okay. Uh, how do you spell your Twitter account, Cameron? Okay. If you want to find me on Twitter, my Twitter account is at CamWriter. That's capital C, lowercase a, M, M as in Monica, capital W, lowercase R, I, T, E, R. I'm not sure it's case sensitive. I honestly, it's not. Case <laughs> it's not case sensitive. <laughs> Shit. It's really no. cute. You're, you're like one of those people I talk to who like tell me their emails and then like capital A. <laughs> well, I knew emails weren't case sensitive. I didn't know Twitter handles weren't. I thought Twitter hand. God damn it. Shit. Okay, redo. <laughs> 
you it's can. <laughs> at Cam Ryder. Oh shit, I almost did it again. At Cam Ryder. C A M as in Monica. W R I T E R. How do you spell yours, Chris? You can find me at Arcane Crystal. That's A R C as in cat. A N E C as in cat. R Y S T A L. It's the word arcane and the word crystal. As one word. Yes. You can direct questions to me via cam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or crystal, I guess. <laughs> if you don't mind crystal. But and you can also send in questions at Book of Medora Podcast at gmail.com. Yes, do that. We love those. We have some Twitter questions. Yay! Really? Oh my god. Okay. Can you link me to the Twitter questions? Yeah, let me let me link you to the Twitter questions. The first question comes in from Mikey. Uh, he says, why is the bunny hood yellow? Ain't no such thing as a yellow rabbit. Well, Mikey, you're wrong. There are definitely yellow rabbits. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's a weird thing to say. Yeah, golden rabbits. Yeah, tawny. I, I think of them as tawny. And the bunny hood is tawny. Are the rabbits in Mario yellow? Yes, they're super fucking yellow. Yeah. Nintendo rabbits are yellow. Except in Mario Odyssey where they're all white. Hmm. But in Super Mario 64, they were like yellow, yellow. Oh, wait, but, like, by the time the bunny hood was created, bunnies were extinct. In Hyrule, yeah. Yeah, so they don't really know the color. Wait, rabbits are extinct? Yes. So, Link to the... Oh, maybe they aren't extinct in the Accursed Timeline. <laughs> because Link to the Past Link's fursona is a pink bunny. Or is that just what he thinks a bunny is? Yeah, you don't have to have bunnies still existing to to be a bunny in your heart. I guess. A pink bunny. There are people who are dragons. And balls. And what? Balls. Oh. Sentient balls. Oh, see, I was talking about, like, people who have animal identities that are dragons. You're talking about the character in Link to the Past who's a ball that gets kicked around by a bully. Yes. Okay. I was confused. Uh, what's, what's the next question, Crystal? Uh, the next question comes in from Trippy Jing. He asks, what's her last name? Uh, good question. It's Hyrule. Her name is Zelda Hyrule. Yeah. I would agree with that. That's that's firmly established at this point. But I think we've talked about Zelda middle names, and I, I still haven't encountered a fanfic with a pleasant one that I didn't just kind of roll my eyes at. I think Roam and Nohansen and maybe Bosphoramus are actually family names that they brought over when they married into the royal family. I think so too, yeah. It's like them keeping their maiden names and appending it. Hmm, yeah. Okay. So they don't actually have middle names. They just have extended names because of marriage. Okay. So Zelda shouldn't have a middle So Nohansen and Bosphoramus are two noble families within the kingdom of Hyrule. Yeah. Cool. Nice. Next question comes in from Ben Anzake. Why is the main character called Link? It's because he's the link between the player and the game. I think that is the direct reason that Miyamoto gave at some point. I call that character Cameron every opportunity I get. That's it. I don't have anything more insightful. Stop looking at You're me. You're one of the lucky ones. One of the ones who is, one, a dude, and two, has a name that could work even if the character's a girl? Not so much the latter, but enough or less characters, or you can reduce your name. Oh, yeah, I guess. But Into seven characters? Yeah, it's seven yes. characters. I can cut it down to three if I want, I guess. I've never done that, though. Cam always sounds diminutive. Hi, Cam. Shut up. <laughs> How dare you? Disrespect what about Cammy. Oh, occasionally yes. That's for that. That's a special time. <laughs> what? No, now what that sounds Cam lewd. Star? That's fine. About Camtaro time. Camtaro. 
Camp. Oh, it's the Camp it's Cam, Cam Gang. Time. <laughs> okay, next question comes in from Morrow. Which is the best color? I like the green one and the blue one. Yeah, but if you had to pick one link to live. <laughs> the green one? Because that was the one before. How about you, Crystal? I'm going to have to go with purple. Why purple? Because he's the gay one. What if they're all gay? That's true. They are all aspects of Link. Yeah. It'd be... <laughs> what if the... But in the in the popular imagination, the red one is the mad one. The green one is the straight man. The the blue one is the mopey one. And the purple one's the gay one. Isn't that just a Penny Arcade comic? That's, that's also various Flash animations. Yeah. I'm trying... I think that they might have their particular impetus in that particular comic in a lot of ways in the manga is it is the purple one the greedy one or all they all like uh they're all pretty greedy the red is and like they all have slightly different personalities i think purple's timid Hmm. i'll have to borrow the manga from the library and find out but um there is no best color intrinsically the best color is whoever collects the most force gems because they have earned the right to remain to exist to exist and four swords Adventures, if you're playing like two player as well, it, it doesn't really matter as to the colors because I guess two or three players, you can just grab one of the extra links from the other players and then they, they join you. Yep. And when you're playing one player, it's always green link who survives. Yeah. Which is interesting. Because in that one, in single player, green link is the coordinating mind. Right. In single player, they all they are all one person. In multiplayer, they're all gremlins who fight. Next question. Okay. This one comes from the Infinite Justiciar. What do you think the deal with the Force Gems is? I thought they were just a one-off thing for Four Swords, but they show up in Phantom Hourglass and Spirit Tracks, and that's weird. I got nothing. (laughs) Nothing? Like, I might have something for it when we get to Phantom Hourglass or Spirit Tracks so I can remember what they were about, but as of right now, I thought they were just rupee stand-ins. I guess they're like chunks of power lying around, sort of like heart containers, but for violence. I think, and and they're not in Four Swords. They're just in Four Swords Adventures mm. of the two, I mean. Yes. Because there are definitely rupees in yeah, that's Four right. Swords and rupee pours. Right. Rupor, sorry. I hate rupors. And rupee likes. Aren't there Force Gem equivalent rupee likes in Four Swords Adventures? I don't remember. I don't think so. Could the Force Gems just be like, mm, imagine that the Triforce is a living thing and Force Gems are just something that it sheds over time? Okay. Cool. Why does Tingle want them? Power. Wow. I mean, if he gets enough power, he can stop making his brothers turn that mill. <laughs> Dave Jr. is very big on the Force Gem gathering hunt. What do you think they are, Crystal? Um... Jeez. Uh, in, in Spirit Tracks, the citizens of Hyrule create Force Gems when they feel a great emotion of gratitude. Huh. And in this game, you, you get Force Gems for doing for killing the enemies, right? Yeah. So maybe they're, they're grateful that you killed them and put them out of their miserable existence. <laughs> they don't like Ganon either. Gratefulness. And that's kind of a neat idea that gratefulness or this sort of power um, powers up your sword. Kind of neat. I guess acts of heroism. Heroism? Yeah, like murder. <laughs> sure. Murder of monsters. Heroic 
heroic homicide. Oh, but what if? What about those force gems that are the giant one hundred, two hundred, and five hundred ones that are giant men with swords and shields? Um, Neither of you are saying anything. Cam, you remember, remember right? Remember what? There's the giant one hundred. 200 and 500 ones. I think it was 300. 300? Okay. It could be 500. The um, the giant ones that when you run towards them, they reveal that they're actually like... They're, they're, they're sword fighters. With, yeah, they're sword fighters with feet and a sword and a shield. They become sapient and get up and they fight you? Yeah. And then you defeat them and they drop the same number of force gems as it looked like they were in the first place. They're grateful for a good fight. <laughs> they're like Goku. Sapient force gems getting up and looking to whoop your ass. The power of gratefulness wants to uh, kick you. In Phantom Hourglass, the sand inside the Phantom Hourglass is made out of crushed up force gems. Wow. Okay, so the idea that they are derived from the Triforce on some level is starting to make sense. I don't know. What about the Light Force? The Light Force is the power of the goddess Hylia. Yes. Okay, well, we'll get into it. Okay. You know how long the Skyward Sword episode, the Skyward Sword saga, is going to be? Oh, we we will uh, we will die recording. <laughs> yeah, like the cops. I will leave a note for the cops <laughs> to upload the episode to all the entropy. Good. I think the Twilight Princess one will be pretty hefty too. Twilight Princess is pretty dense. Yeah, I mean we're having a whole precursor episode for Twilight Princess that is just talking about the interlopers, right? That yep. is a thing. Yeah, that's the thing we're going to do. Cool. We got another question. This one comes in from Julie Lowe. What would you do with three extra clones of yourself? Well, I'd like to say that we would divvy up the work and leisure time, but I feel like we would all just instantly jump on the bed and call it a day. And go to sleep. And go to sleep. (laughs) I've asked Monica this question before, uh, and yeah, usually when she's presented with something whereby she has these infinite possibilities, especially those presented by dealing with herself. Instead of doing anything in particular, she'll opt not to do anything and go to sleep. That makes me seem so unfun. Yeah, same though. It's a very unfun answer. Oh. Uh, so, th- I mean, guess this depends on if they're exact clones of yourself or if they are different aspects of yourself. Um, Let's assume direct clones, like exact clones. Okay. Well, I mean, they just do it. A- they want to do the same things that I want to do, so they probably just hang around me all the time. I mean, as soon as they manifest, they have divergent viewpoints. So, I mean, you could set each of you could be set up in particular ways. But how do you equitably divide? Yeah, like... but free will is a myth, Cameron. <laughs> how do you equitably divide? You know the um, the work, the chores. You know your job. Well, I I think you have a pretty good chance of coming to agreement on things. (laughs) You think it's maybe like a full metal alchemist situation where your bodies are connected? So like if one sleeps, everyone gets the rest points? If only. Because that would solve a lot of problems, including food. That would solve all the problems, really. Each of you shares experience. You're like a party in an RPG. You all grow together. Yeah, we could learn languages. You could learn languages at the same time you're going to the gym, at the same time you're reading a good book. Yeah. This makes us seem more Triforce Heroes-y than Gremlin Link-y. Oh, yeah. We're not going with the Gremlin versions. Yeah. That's good. So what would you do with these clones, Crystal? (sighs) You know. (laughs) I don't. (laughs) 
You know. <laughs> I really don't. You know. <laughs> wink, wink, wink. I wink. almost want to see how many times I can get her to do this. <laughs> no. Are you going to rob a bank? Oh, yeah. We definitely plan a heist. Think of, think of what a heist would be like if you're all synchronized and you have the same experience and senses. Yeah. It'd be an amazing heist, and you could have one version of you conspicuously somewhere else, so you have a watertight alibi. I was gonna say that there was yeah. all like they're all gonna be at my shitty skill level, but then you like are actually planning a crime <laughs> with an alibi, <laughs> Cameron. Why? Ugh. What if we all just go into a casino and we all sit at the same poker table and we cheat? I think you would probably end up being shot by mobsters. But there's four of you, so you might stand a good chance. Casinos don't do that, Cameron. Don't they? They'll just ask you to leave. Do they? Because if a casino had a reputation for <laughs> shooting its guests, people would not go to it anymore. Wouldn't they? There's lots of casinos. Yeah, okay, I guess. But like, how could you get to decide, if you can't share your experiences between each other, Like, how do you decide who gets to go on vacation? Well, I mean, like, you could theoretically have it set up so that each of you is working different jobs and you're basically four people with identical past experiences bringing in four streams of income. But what if you can't stand each other yourself? If you can't stand yourself, you have some existential problems to work through. Yeah. And I would recommend group therapy. You can go to four different therapists. I would say group therapy with yourself. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. I mean, we're making four streams of income. We got We got the money. Yeah. And we only have one mouth to feed. Oh, now we're back to the shared experience again. Yeah. But if we have shared experience, then do we have shared like energy pools? Because Ooh. we get tired working four jobs. Huh. Oh, that's a good point. I'm sorry. So it would come out to being you'd still need roughly the same amount of rest and fuel per person. Well, maybe. Mm, but you could still have the shared yeah. experience. You'd still gain an advantage that way. Yeah. Well, even if we're only doing eight hours of work a day, each of us could just do two. True. Yeah. Great job, Crystal. You figured out the problem. Is that it? I think we... Is that all the questions? Uh, yeah, that, that is all of the questions. Whew! Where can people send us questions, Cameron? You can send questions to us on Twitter, either at ArcaneCrystal or at CamWriter. See earlier in the episode for the spellings. You can also send it to us through email at bookofmedorapodcast at gmail.com. That is bookofmedorapodcast at gmail.com. And if you feel like you want to send more involved questions, and it doesn't have to be questions, you can send us any kind of email you want, really. And chances are pretty good we'll read it here on the podcast, and we'll really enjoy doing so, because we have some pretty thoughtful listeners. Is it time for a joke? It is time for a joke, and I'm looking one Yay. up. Okay, here's a good one. Uh, this comes from the ZeldaDungeon.net Zelda Jokes thread, and this one was made by user... Dragon Cat. I'll make another Zelda joke, but I don't want to try and force it. Yeah. Oh, this is, oh, I don't know how to deal with this. Puns. I love puns. Wordplay. Do you want an alternate one? Puns are the purest jokes. Crystal, I'm never going to like one of these jokes. I didn't like the joke that I I'll give you an alternate one. This comes from user Seermott. The majority of moon jokes revolve around one game. Oh, okay. I'm tapping out. I'm tapping out. Bye, everybody. Okay, goodbye, everybody.